0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Living the unexpected life. So as we get into this word, let me pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Thank you so much for just giving us an opportunity to just sing and worship you and gather with uh, individuals who we can high-five and uh, just have a good time with. But, Lord, I pray that uh, in all of this that you may teach us, that we may learn something, and that you may draw us closer to you and allow us to be mobilized for your glorious mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So... In verse chapter 7, Paul, the writer who wrote this, uh, just to give a little background if you're unfamiliar with this, Paul is a guy who wasn't a Christian. He became a Christian when, you know, he met Jesus pretty much face to face on a road to go persecute a bunch of Christians. And his life was radically transformed. He became a believer. He started becoming the greatest evangelist, greatest teacher, greatest church planter there was to man. And how many of us can celebrate life change in Jesus Christ? Many of us were like Paul, just did not like anything to do with the church, didn't like anything to do with Christians, but when God captivated our hearts, we realized we were home. He's put our lives in a trajectory to make a difference, and that's what happened in Paul's life, and so he's writing this letter to a group of individuals uh, in Ephesus where he planted this church, and now we find in chapter 7, he's telling them this. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace, grace is the undeserved gift. You ever uh, gotten something from somebody, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a boyfriend, maybe it was a child, where they gave you something that was really important, that was really nice, that you really weren't looking for. You didn't want this thing, you weren't looking for this thing, but they came and they gave it to you and it was undeserved and it was, you didn't ask for it and they just handed it to you. That is a picture of grace, something undeserved, something unearned, something that we weren't even looking for. And he says grace was given us according, and we've seen this word according before in uh, other portions of the scripture. According means in direct proportion of. Grace was given us to the direct proportion of Christ's gift. And a part of Scripture tells us that one of the greatest gifts in life is for somebody to lay down their life for a brother. Christ was sent to earth because of God's love, and he laid down his life for us, and grace that was given to us, this undeserved, unmerited new life, this new chosen life that we have has been given to us because of God's love. According to Jesus Christ's sacrifice, which all means God's love is immeasurable. If the greatest gift that can be given is somebody's life and God's loving us resulted in Christ's death for us, that means God's love cannot be measured. He will expend the resources of heaven for you and I. He will take his own son and give him up so that you and I can have a new life. And if God's love is based according to Christ's sacrifice. This is where we learn our first teaching point. Hopefully everybody got a handout this morning. If, the, if God's love for me is based according to Jesus' sacrifice, then the level of my sacrifice should be according to the measure of Christ, Jesus' sacrifice. My response should be just as great. My response should be just as awesome. Because if God would love me so much to give his only son so that I may live, the best that I can do is live a life and serve and sacrifice according to Jesus's sacrifice. That's what I love about individuals who serve on our ReKids team and our First Impressions team. These individuals, every single week, give up an entire Sunday so that you and I can have, one, a distraction-free service. All of us who've got children can know that our children are safe and that we've got security in the building. These individuals don't sit there and and say, well, you know what, I want to be downstairs, I want to sit downstairs. They say, you know what, I will take one, two weekends out the month and I will sacrifice greatly so that others can be poured into because Jesus has sacrificed greatly for me. He gave up for me, so I will give up for others as well. Verse 8 through 10, he says, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. This is talking about Jesus. And then in parentheses, he adds this little caveat. He says, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth, talking about Jesus coming to earth uh, when he first came. He who who descended is the one, verse 10, who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He's talking here about Jesus' work when he came to earth. Uh, Once he completed the work to save you and I from our sins, once he went to the cross, he ascended and went back to heaven. His victory, it says he led a host of captives. And what this is, it's like a military conquest. Jesus won the victory over death. He won the victory over hell. He won the victory over demons. He won the victory over our depression, over our pain, over our loss, and he held captivity captive. And another rendering of this text, he says, those who were in captivity, he took them captive and put them under his wings. He says, nothing is going to touch you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No matter what people throw against you, no matter what labels they put on you, I am covering you. I am holding you captive. And Jesus' captivity is the greatest captivity you want to be a part of. Because it's actually freedom. He is freeing us from ourselves. But he also talked about Jesus humbling himself and coming to earth. But because he humbled himself and came to earth, he said he went back into heavens and now he fills all things. Meaning that Jesus now has been exalted and has been uh, taken up into heaven and God has given him everything in his possession. Because of his humility, because of his sacrifice, because of his service. In Hebrews, it talks about how he holds everything in his hands with the power of his word. God has bestowed on him the name that is higher than every name simply because Philippians tells us he sacrificed himself. He lived a life of humility and sacrifice. Verse 11, he goes on to say, and he gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, remember he talks about in verse 8 that he gave gifts to all men. He gave this gifts to men, and and some commentaries, some people who teach on this who are much deeper and theologically more doctrinally uh, uh, deeper than any of us, they share that these gifts that he gave to men was the gifts of leaders in the church. He gave the church apostles. He gave the church prophets. He gave the church evangelists. He gave the church shepherds and teachers. These are the gifts that he gave the church. So what are apostles? Apostles simply mean somebody who was sent with a commission. This is somebody who met Jesus face to face, who saw Jesus resurrected. This is somebody that Jesus raised up and said, I need you to go for me. I need you to establish this mission that I'm giving you. So these guys went around, they planted churches, they established new works. They let everybody around them know about this Messiah, Jesus. They laid the foundation And it's easy to look at that and say, well, you know, that's really good. They met Jesus face to face. Jesus sent them out. They were divinely appointed. What about me? Well, I believe that we all have an apostolic gift that we could call on. While we can't be called apostles because we haven't seen Jesus face to face, while we can't uh, say that, hey, Jesus came down and he just pointed me out and he says, hey, go do this. We can still take part in the mission with letting others know about Christ. Letting others know about uh, how he came to this earth for us. We've all been uh, called to be ambassadors. We've been chosen to be ambassadors for the glory of God. We all have an opportunity to help build up the church. And then he says he gave them prophets. And no, this is not like the prophets in the Old Testament where they saw these visions and all of a sudden they were, uh, God spoke to them directly and they could tell people everything that was going on. These were the New Testament prophets. Because in the New Testament, as this is being written, when this, when all of this is taking place, there was no New Testament Bible. It was just being established. So somebody needed to communicate the word of God. And so if they didn't have the New Testament, uh, they still needed to preach God's word. So these prophets, the spirit would just come inside of them and, and he would rest in them and they would be able to share everything that Jesus taught, share everything that God's word taught. They could help, help people understand scripture. Now, that doesn't mean we got to stop reading our Bibles It's like, Jesus is going to show me. Holy Spirit is going to work inside of me. I'm just going to be able to proclaim the word of God. But it it, it does mean this, that we don't have to be afraid when we feel like we don't have the words to say. Then when you're in that situation at school and that individual is crying and you're like, man, I want to come and help them. I want to come and say something nice to them, but I don't really know what to say. God is going to give you the power and the spirit and the words to say, just go forward. When that person is work is going through a divorce or is going through something hard in their life with their child or whatever it is, you don't have to sit there and worry. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know how to really articulate my faith well to give them encouragement. God said, just go. I will be with you. I will give you the word to say. In fact, in Scripture, tells us, listen, when when you get into a situation where you've got to answer for your faith, don't be afraid because God's Spirit rests inside of you, and he will give you every word to say at the right moment. And I believe that people's lives will be transformed. I believe people will come to faith in Jesus. I believe that person in school who's hurting is going to be encouraged and know that there's something different about you. He talks about evangelists. These individuals were just bearers of good news. These were individuals who heralded the gospel, who went around, who traveled from town to town, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, calling people to repentance, telling people there's a better way. Modern day evangelists that we so highly revered passed away this week. Billy Graham. That dude preached to more people than Jesus. He saw thousands and thousands of people come to faith. He had this gift of evangelism that wherever he went, he can just tell people about Jesus and they would just fall on their knees and they'll cry out and they say, I want that Jesus that you have. And it's easy for us to look at individuals like that and say, you know what, I don't have that gift. I don't have the power. I don't even have the resources to travel the world and go teach people. Jesus, that's okay. Start in your backyard. If you have a desire to see other people come to faith in Jesus, if you want other people to feel the same uh, uh, sense of, uh, of, of, of passion, of the same sense of welcome that you felt in Jesus, uh, just go. Tell them. Share what Jesus has done for you. You know, one of the awesome things is, is a lot of Billy Graham's teaching was just him sharing what God had did in his life. All of us can be evangelists. All of us can show the love of Jesus to others. All of us can have an opportunity to share the good news with somebody, shepherds and teachers. And this is essentially one office with two different functions. The shepherds or, or, or pastors, it's rendered. These are individuals who uh, focus on leading and guiding and caring for the sheep, the people who really care, the people who just love you. You ever had just one of those people who knows the right thing to say at the right moment? You're feeling low, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling like the whole world is on you, and that person gets around you, and they just touch your arm, and you just already start feeling like this Holy Ghost moment. Shepherds, pastors, people who love guiding and leading and caring for people, the teachers, people who are preaching and teaching Scripture, the people who spend time in their word all week preparing to give you the message, It's easy to say, I don't have a title. I'm not a pastor. I'm I'm not a teacher. Nobody has laid hands on me and said, go ye therefore and preach. But here's the deal. All of us can care for somebody. All of us can share what God has been teaching us through the word throughout the week. All of us are called to be pastoral in our lives, to care for people, to lead people. All of us have been called to go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of us can take part in this mission. We don't need a title. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to puff yourself up say, so, well, I don't need education, I don't need a title, I don't need this. But here's the bottom line, point number two. Titles hold weight, but my actions, they're the ones that make the difference. Because how many people know people who've got titles but do not deserve them because they don't do nothing with them? That boss is just like, dude, you, you don't, why do you even have a title? That professor in college where you were just like, do you even know what class you're teaching right now? Like, are we, are we on the same wavelength here? Titles hold weight, but my actions make the difference. Go on to verse 12. After verse 11, he says, and he gave the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Did you catch that? Hold on. I don't know if you caught that. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of what? Ministry. Wait a minute. Pastor D, I thought that's what you do. I thought you're the minister. He said he gave these individuals to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Hey, you know what? Here goes a uh, news brief. Do, 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 do. Pastors don't do the work of the ministry, they equip you to do the work of the ministry. See, believers. When we sit under the leadership of pastors and leaders that God has provided for us, when we learn and we grow and we dive deep in our faith and and we take what what they share and we go through Scripture and we say, yep, that's that's right, I, I agree with what the pastor is saying. Oh, yeah, can I, side note here, when you come to church, you're not necessarily coming to church to learn. You're coming to church to affirm what you've been learning all week in your own time, meeting with God each day. So when you show up, you're not like, oh, pastor, feed me, feed me. I just, I just want to be fed. You're like, pastor, right on. I'm with you. I read that this week. I'm with that. I agree. Now let's move forward together. As, as we apply the word uh, and we learn all these things, it's what we do in relationship with each other now. That's where ministry begins. Ministry begins when me and you start applying this word and saying, oh, we're supposed to love each other. Okay, so let me go love. Oh, uh, he called shepherds and teachers. Okay, let let me love on somebody. Let me care somebody. Let me go learn something in Scripture so I can teach somebody. I remember uh, one of my mentors newly appointed pastor of our church, and I was sat on the church board. And remember the first board meeting. He shows up, and everybody's all excited. What's this new pastor going to do? What is, what's he going to usher in? Where, what is he going to accomplish? And we're super excited, and the first order of business after the meeting is called to order. He says, guys, I want to just, uh, just uh, lay it all out there right now and, and, and let you guys know what my role here is. My role here is to do three things. Preach, pray, and raise up leaders. He says, listen, if you're having issues in your marriage, if you're having issues with your kids, call one of the leaders in the church. We've got people who we're equipping to come and do that ministry. Hey, you need the church opened. You need a a table set. You need all these things done. That's cool. We're raising up other leaders to come and help you do that. Because my job is to preach, pray, and raise up leaders. And if you don't believe me, if that that rubs you a little wrong, like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Check out what it says in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, it says this. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, and this is just Greek-speaking Jews, um, a a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. See, the early church was all about serving one another. It was all about, listen, if I've got too much, I'm going to give up a little bit of what I have because i just got a bunch of excess, and I'm going to distribute it to those people in needs. And when we gather, we're going to have food together, and we're going to meet together, and we're going to uh, just enjoy our time together, and we're going to make sure that everybody has enough to eat and all of that. And these Hellenists come up and say, wait, hold on. The widows, part of our group, aren't being distributed the same amount that everybody else is. That's unfair because Jesus says, hey, take care of the widows and the orphans. So what's up with that? How come you guys aren't looking out for us? And they came to the apostles. They came to the pastors. Say so you need to do something about that. You need to make sure our widows are fed and provided for as well, too. Look at the response. And the 12, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples that gathered the church. They said, let's have a church meeting. What did they talk about at this church meeting? And it said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We're supposed to be raising up other leaders to take care of the ministry, to make sure that uh, everything is in place so that we can focus on what God has called us to do, preach, pray, and raise up more leaders. Now, maybe somebody in here is like, I wonder how that went. They said all that. (laughs) Let's see what the response was. Listen to how the church responded. Verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and of Philip, and Procurus and Necaner, and Timon, and Parninus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid hands on them. What was the result? Verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. Why? Because everybody was functioning in the role that they were being led to. Everybody was functioning in their sweet spot. The apostles were called out. The pastors were called out and said, listen, uh, you're not better. You're just different. You just have a different role. The individuals who were raised up to come and do the work, they didn't say, well, how come we don't get to preach? How come they just get to sit around and do everything? They were like, no, we're, we're good with that. We'll set tables. Tables is ministry because people are being served. They said, listen, we'll be at uh, the hub out there with Danae because people need to be met outside and they need questions answered. That's a ministry. They said, I'm going to be at the uh, cafe with Cindy and and I'm going to be there because people handing somebody a cup of coffee is a ministry in its own. Shoot, they need to stay awake during sermon. That's ministry. And as a result of everybody serving in their role and contributing what they contributed, guess what? the ministry began to grow and the number started increasing because everybody was sharing the load. Point number three. Ministry is not what pastors do. It's how we serve one another. How we serve one another. Verse 13 and 14. He says, so after the, He sent all these uh, leaders to equip the saints, verse 13 begins, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. See, when we learn and apply the word, when we start uh, understanding, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. This is the role that you want me to play. We start growing in maturity. We start growing in unity. It's no longer, hey, how come they get to do this? How come they get to stand there? How come they get to do that? It becomes, listen, we're all together. We're in this together. We're one mission. We're one mobilized movement. Let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go. And we start growing because we're encouraging one another. We're walking alongside one another. We move past the simple doctrine that's no longer just this, you know, uh, I believe in a simple faith, but it's not a shallow faith. We start diving deeper because we're hanging out together in regroups. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. We're hanging out together with regroups. We're we're sharpening each other with the word. We're understanding who Jesus is and and how he wants us to function within him, and, and, and he begins to fill us with his character. We're no longer children easily persuaded. When people come and say, well, you know, this, this, and this, this, we're like, listen, I know what the Word of God said. I know, I know what I stand for. I know my why, like we talked about last week. And this maturity provides now stability. We can continue to walk out our faith no matter what hits us, no matter what person comes with whatever doctrine. I've got a family member, I call him, uh, he's part of the religion called History Channelism. Whatever religion is on the History Channel that night, that's what he is. Every time he hears something new, any type of new uh, idea, any type of new philosophy, he's like, yeah, that's what it is. And what it's saying is, listen, when we are hearing the word of God, when we're applying the word of God, when we're gathering together and encouraging each other and serving one another, we we begin to become stable and we've got something to stand on. But it comes at the intersection of knowledge and practice, and that's point number four. Christian maturity is at the intersection of knowledge and practice. And I'll tell you what, people who refuse to participate in the mission of God are the first ones to dismiss themselves. They're the first ones to disconnect. I've never seen anybody who said, hey, you know what, I, I just want to go to church, and I just want to sit, and I just want to be fed, and I don't want to serve, and I believe that, you know, sometimes I just need to sit and, and, and be in the word, and I just want to hear what the pastor say. Eventually, those people, a couple things happen. One, they become judgmental of everybody else, because now they're so full of this word, and they're so full that I can look at everybody else's issue because I'm not serving, I'm not loving people, I'm not serving other individuals, I am stuck just looking and picking apart everybody else's life. Or two, they just fall away. Eventually, they just stop showing up to church because it doesn't matter anymore. There's nothing I'm contributing. And they're seeing all these people come around there high-fiving each other. Cindy, how you doing? Hey, Cindy, let's hang out. I want to come and ride some ATVs at your house. Hey, you know, uh, Jerry and Kiki, what's going on? Let's hang out. Let's go to uh, Don Chepe and get some Mexican food. And they're like, wait, hold on. How is it that all you guys are connected? Because we serve together. Because we're on mission together. And the reality is no one is committed to something that they don't contribute to. So Christian maturity is at the intersection of knowledge and practice, verse 15 and 16. He closes this section up like this. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, he's like, listen, doctrine and theology without love and tact doesn't help anyone. And and honestly, uh, that's why I'm so passionate to share this with you this morning. You know, my dad always told me, he was like, son, you're pretty harsh. You just have no tact. The older you get, you're going to need to have some tact. And so I pray and hopefully that as I presented this message to you this morning, this has not been just about doctrine and theology and throwing it over your head and making you feel bad. I Hopefully you know the love that's coming beyond this because I believe that God has called you and built you up for so much more. And you will never experience all God has for you if you don't join him at work, if you don't take part in his mission we're all supposed to reflect Christ's character. And at the end of the day, when we begin to reflect Christ's character, we begin to experience all that he has for us. Because enabling you is me not loving you. How many of us have children where we have to correct them, we have to shape them, we have to guide them, we have to encourage them? Because if we don't, My son is always like, just yesterday we had a conversation. Dad, why are you so hard on me? Because I love you. Because I know who you are. I know who you can be. So I've got to come to you with truth in love. And ultimately, as we think of serving, listen, we're all busy. We've got lives. We've got work. Some of us are children. We've got relationships. There's things that keep us and hold us busy. But ultimately, the source of our strength is Jesus. If we are found in Jesus, if Jesus is living within us, if Jesus is our passion, our goal, he will also become our strength. He will become our direction. And how will we know that we're walking in step with Christ? Is the body will start to grow healthy. We'll see faithful believers raised up. We'll see people who were once far from God now excited to serve and walk in step with Him. We'll see young people uh, like Harrison and Alexis on videos being excited about something that's coming up. We'll have leaders stepping up and say, I want to serve, I want to lead. And we'll start to see these, 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 these seats begin to be filled with people because they say, I want to be where they're at. I want to have the joy they have. I want to have the peace that they have. I want to have the excitement that they have. That's why we have to be all in. That's why we have to be all in. See, the success of any movement, the success of any movement is directly tied to the commitment of those that say they are a part of it. Are you committed? Are you all in? We believe here at Relevant Church, uh, the leaders, the staff, that if we commit, that if we are all in as one church, we'll be able to see a church. No, not even just a church. We'll be able to see a city See, a region that passionately follows Jesus, a region that loves Across Boundaries, a region that serves one another by making a tangible difference in our community, in our region. And this is what I believe God told us to do here at Relevant Church is to see a vision where people not only look at the small town and say, Well, you know what? That, that's nice what's going on there, but we begin to send people out of the small town to go into the world, to go and evangelize, and they look and say, What the heck is happening in little old Niles? How are all these leaders being raised up? because there's a group of people who said I'm all in and I love what Moody says he says the world has yet to see what one person devoted to God is able to accomplish imagine if it's a whole group of us we've got to be all in we need you to be all in and bottom line this is what this means this is how you can be all in find the gap fill the gap you need to find the gap ask me, Pastor D Christine, Lewis we'll we'll get you plugged in we know exactly where the gaps are fill the gap see gap fillers are the kingdom of God's greatest asset how do we know? because Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and filled the gap. Me and you were separated from God because of our sin, because of our brokenness. And he says, I won't leave you there. I will come and I'll be the bridge that, uh, that builds the bridge between God and humanity. I'll fill the gap. And maybe somebody in here doesn't know Jesus the way we've just talked about Maybe in your life you feel that there's still a gap, that there's a gaping hole, and you don't understand, how do I begin to fill this gap? I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ is willing, he is able, and he has promised to fill the gaps in your life and give you the encouragement you need, to give you the hope you need, to build you to become the person that he's called you to be. So while all heads and eyes are bowed and closed, I'm just going to ask for a person in here, maybe it's two of you, and maybe there's some holes in your life right now, and you've heard about this Jesus, and you've heard us talk about Jesus, and you're saying, you know what, I want to experience the Jesus that you've talked about, the Jesus that will fill the gaps of my life, that will begin to rebuild me and make me whole and make me new again, where I can feel alive. I can no longer just exist but I will begin to live. If you're in here I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. God wants to move in you. He wants to live in you and he wants to move through you. And as I pray to close out this message I pray that you will pray with me. Jesus I thank you for filling the gaps in my life. Thank you for coming, thank you for coming from heaven, coming to earth and living the life that I could never live. Lord, I pray that you may live in me, live through me. Forgive me for my sins. Make me whole. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at given.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.